You know, I think I was around 12 years old when my parents quit celebrating Christmas. But I remember that one year, uh, I was lying on the couch. It was a beautiful, I think it was a snowy night. And and my mother had this, in this one room, this white Christmas tree, solid white, like snow had fallen on it and with these gold candles, uh, lit candles on it. Well, not real candles, but you know what I mean with the light bulbs and all that. But I, what I'm saying, it, it was just a, a beautiful, and I think maybe a fire was burning in the fireplace, and I was listening to uh, Eddie Arnold Christmas music. And I, I remember there, just lying there at age 12, feeling so spiritual. Yeah, so close to God. And as I look back on it, I realized okay, at age 12, I really didn't know God. I I mean, I I had a superficial knowledge about God, but I had not repented of my sin. I had not accepted Christ as my personal Savior. But I just, you know, because of the euphoria of the Christmas, you know, spirit or whatever we want to call it, I felt so spiritual at that time. You know, we sing away in the in a manger. We sing silent night at Christmas time, and uh, we think of a nativity scene where baby Jesus is lying in a manger, and the shepherds are rejoicing, and the wise men are bringing gifts, and there are angels singing, a heavenly choir. That's that's the kind. And and who hasn't looked at a Christmas card? Are they not beautiful or what? I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. But I will tell you, now, I live in Virginia, and so we get some snow. But I visited our daughter one time in California when she was living out California. And the Christmas season, it's, if you live out there, it's totally different. It just it doesn't have the same spirit, the same feel, because the weather never really gets, you know, 70 70 degrees the sun shining you know it just doesn't have the same feel to it so there's a lot of emotions connected to the christmas season but i want to tell you what happened when jesus was born i want to tell you the real christmas story Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. And it's all it's found in Revelation 12. You can read the whole story for yourself. I'm, I'm going to summarize it here. It says the dragon stood in front of the woman. Now, this, this is on the night Jesus was born, came to this earth. Okay. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with a rod, with an iron scepter. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 
Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's your real Christmas story. Like I said, we sing the songs, Away in the Manger, Silent Night. But in the real Christmas story, there is no baby in a manger. There are no shepherds rejoicing or wise men bringing gifts. There are angels, but they're not singing. Rather, they are engaged in a heavenly war to save the Christ child. This is the real Christmas story. I'm going to tell you about the real Christmas story. And it's unlike anything you have ever heard. You know, it's strange. When I tell people I don't celebrate Christmas, they look at me like, well, what kind of atheist, you know, unbelieving, pagan, unconverted, ungodly person are you? And I try to, at least now, I try to explain you know, I try to preface preface this, this this my statement. Okay, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Because when I say this, you know, a lot of people think I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Or a lot of people think I'm an atheist. So I don't want you to misunderstand. But I don't celebrate Christmas. And the reason I don't celebrate Christmas is because I don't think it's all about Jesus Christ. Now, I know people say it's all about Jesus Christ. But I think they're lying. You know, now I know that sounds very cynical, but when I look at, you know, how, how do I know what's going on at the Christmas season? How do I know what's really in the heart? Because people will say, well, it's all in the heart. It's about the heart. And I agree. It is all about the heart and what's in the heart at Christmas, at the Christmas season. One of the ways I discern what's in the heart of people is by what they do. This is, this is the way God does it, you know. The way God discerns what's in your heart is by what you do. That's all he does. I mean, he just looks at what you do. So when I look at what people do at Christmas time, they swap gifts, and they basically they decorate their homes and spend a lot of money. So that's what they're doing, okay? And that's a telltale sign of what it's really all about. Now, can you be grateful that Jesus was born? Yeah, I understand that. Yes, you can. But I think people are missing the real Christmas story. And I want to share with you the real Christmas story. You see, you were born into a ready-made world of religion, one that you did not design nor create. And we just assume a lot of this stuff is right. Well, I mean, I just, just you know, I just assume that, that, that. I mean, I can remember looking out the window, looking for reindeer, and thinking that I would see a deer flying at night through the sky, maybe carrying a sled, maybe a fat man on a sled, you know? And I remember finding out that my father was actually Santa Claus. And, you know, we were born into this ready-made world. I remember thinking that rabbits laid eggs because I've been told about the Easter Bunny. And you think, well, that's not an egg, is it? I don't think so. If you ask the question, okay, why was I born into this ready-made world of religion? 
Do you ever consider that it may be for the purpose of keeping you blindsided to the truth? To keep you in darkness? To keep your eyes blinded to the real story? Which is the real Christmas story that I'm, I'm going to tell you about? You see, a lot of things that, that are done in the name of religion have no backing from the Bible. It's just, it just a lot of the things that we participate in, in are just things that keep us on the merry-go-round of churchianity. You know, as long as I can keep you active, I can keep you living under the illusion that everything is okay and that you're godly and that you're a Christian, that you're heaven-bound and that, that you're okay and that you've, you've got immortality and that you're going to live forever and you have a relationship with God. As long as I keep you busy on that merry-go-round, I can convince you that you're the real McCoy. Okay. If I do these things, I must be religious. And yet, we come to the real Christmas story. I did not come, Jesus said this, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You were born into a world at war. I was visiting, it was for, uh, at the Feast of Tabernacles, Fort, Walting, Fort Walton Beach, and they, had, they have an Air Force Armament Museum in Florida. They had this one part, the history of guns, and I walked through there, and I thought, my, look at that. It's just amazing. Some of the bullets were like, and I don't know what kind of guns, they, they, maybe something that mounted on a ship, but, but, but they were like a foot long, the bullet. And I, it's just, as I look through that, the history of guns, and I'm not against guns, don't get me wrong, don't, 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 don't please don't go there. I, uh, the right to defend yourself is part of our constitution. And what you got to defend yourself against is our government. That's who you need to be scared of. But war is designed to kill your enemy. It always has been, you know. But do you realize there is a being that considers you to be enemy number one? You might as well just write where uh, get you a shirt with a crosshair on it, you know, just paint you a cross. And, and from Satan's perspective, we are the enemy. You were born into a world at war. I mean, how else do you explain terrorism? Young girls kidnapped and sold into sex trade by the millions. How else do you exp explain school shootings? The number of young people dying on drugs, drug abuse each year. What is your explanation for evil in the world? Do you have one? You know, until we come to the terms that with war as the content context of our day, we will never understand life. We are at war, and we will either blame ourselves or others or God for the terrible things that happen to us. Now, in mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said this under the subtitle, The Invasion. He tried to clarify our situation that we're living in. He says this, one of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament, seriously, was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe. A mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death, disease, and sin. The difference is that Christians think this dark power was created by God and was good when it was created and went wrong. Christianity agrees this universe is at war. Now, this is fascinating. 
Satan at one time was good, and he chose to be bad. Now, what about you? I would say you were born good. Oh, I know we all say talk about a, a sin nature and all that stuff, but you know, basically, a little. I, I don't look at little children as bad or evil or anything like that. But I look at it as as God created us free with the ability to choose between good and evil. And so were the angelic beings. They were created neutral with the capacity to go in either direction, direction of good, direction of evil. And so we are too. Man is created neutral with the ability to go in either direction. Which way are you choosing, good or bad? Now, God created three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, to administer the government of God throughout the angelic realm. Now, why the rebellion? Why did Satan rebel? Well, I'll get to this a little later. But, you know, it's almost as if, now I'm just speculating here, but I think, you know, God delegated out to these angelic beings, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, to and, and, and he put them in charge of beautifying the earth. Now, this is before man was created, by the way. And maybe you just, like any business owner, you know, he sort of delegates out and he says, now look, look, you, you, you create a beautiful environment because I'm going to, I'm going to create mankind a little bit later, but I want a beautiful world for him to live in. And so let's just imagine that God goes away for a couple thousand, a couple millions of years, however long you want to speculate. And he comes back to check on his work. And when he comes back, he finds out that there is, has been a great rebellion. Yes, a great rebellion. This one being, Lucifer, has rebelled. And he finds out that in this world that, that God thought was going to be beautiful, all of a sudden he comes back and there, here are dinosaurs roaming the earth, ripping to bits, you know, bloodthirsty dinosaurs killing off each other. And, and it's, you know, now this is just my opinion, but I don't believe God created dinosaurs. Why? Because, I mean, they, it just doesn't look like something God would create. I mean, they're, they're evil. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, I think that was part of Satan's rebellion. And so when God comes back, he's, he has a chaotic world that Lucifer in his rebellion has created. I know the Bible speaks. You know, when I say I don't think God created dinosaurs, the Bible speaks in the millennial reign of Christ when he returns to this earth for a thousand years. In Isaiah 65 and verse 25, it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and they'll feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So it's quite a different, you know, the intent of, of God was not what we see in the dinosaur age of killing and ripping each other to bits and pieces and bloodthirsty creatures. That, that was, in my opinion, that was not God's design. And so God comes back to this rebellious, a rebellion that has taken place. Now, what caused Satan's rebellion? Well, it's not that hard to understand. God is creating after his own kind. Did you know that? That God is creating after his own kind? The God kind. 
children of God. That's what God is doing through mankind. He's creating after his own kind. In fact, Hebrews 2 and verse 6 says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visited him? Why does God have so much invested in mankind? I mean, he sent his son to die for us. I mean, if if I were God, I would say, let the bastards die. I mean, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to send my son for them. You know, why does God have so much invested in mankind? What is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, that's a key point. Lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hand. Now, okay, God created man lower than the angels, but only temporarily. You see, man's destiny, man was created to be a child of God. And you see, the angelic realm could go no higher than what they were, just messengers, angels, servants. And that burnt Satan up that he could go no higher. Here he knew, temporarily, man was made lower than the angels, but only temporarily, that their destiny, our destiny, was to be born into the family of God, to be of the God kind is the destiny of mankind. And I I don't know why people have such a hard time with this. Genesis 1 and verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and after our likeness, to be like God, is the destiny of mankind. Because God's desire is to reproduce himself through mankind. And because of that, Because of that, you have an enemy that hates your guts and will do everything in his power to destroy you and will not rest at peace until you are annihilated. You got a crosshair on you. You are enemy number one. You were born into a world at war. You know, this is not an issue of, of, well, I'll live my life for myself, and then when I'm old and ugly, I'll give my heart to the Lord. Oh, no. By then, it will be too late. This is not an issue of, well, I'm an atheist, and I, I, I I don't believe in God. There's no time for that silly nonsense. That would be like holding a lit stick of dynamite in your hand and saying, I wonder if this is going to hurt when it blows up. There's no time for that. I mean, mean, you are born into a world at war. The real Christmas story is told in the book of Revelation. The story that I went over at the beginning. Again, we sing away in the manger in silent night. But when we look at actually what was taking place on that night, that Jesus was born, the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour the child the moment he was born a great war took place in heaven a great battle the dragon was enraged at the woman and went to make war against the rest of her offspring who is that that's you and me those who obey god's commandments and hold to the testimony of jesus that's you and me 
Again, this is not a nativity story we grew up with. There is no babe in the manger. There are no shepherds rejoicing. There's no wise men bringing gifts. And as I said, there are angels, but they're not singing. Rather, they are engaged in a heavenly war to save the Christ child. This is a Christmas story unlike anything you've ever heard. You have to understand the birth of of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I don't think so. Satan has sought to prevent this child from coming from the get-go. He moved Cain to kill Abel. He moved Pharaoh to kill the Hebrew baby boys. He moved Saul to kill David. He moved Haman to plot genocide against the Jews. He moved Herod to kill Jesus. In fact, that story is just heart-rending. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. This is Matthew 2 and verse 7. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word so I may come and worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, don't go back there. Don't go back because Herod will kill the Christ child. And when all this came down, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was angry. And he sent forth and slew all the children that were born in Bethlehem and in all the coast, therefore, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Yeah, we're talking about a diabolical power infiltrating man's mind, in this case, Herod, to kill innocent children. Jesus was born into a war zone. Jesus' disciples are the object of war. Jesus returns to make war. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he does judge and make war. That's Revelation 19 and verse 11. And you hear people, you know, oh, how I love Jesus. Do you? Do you really? Do you really want to be in God's army? Do you really want to sign up for the draft? Now, there is another alternative. It's called playing church. It's, it's join the world of churchianity, where you can feel really good, and you can play the game, and you can sing in church, and you can raise your hand and talk about Jesus, and then go back to living your life the same as always. Oh, there's an alternative to everything. Playing church. And so Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because our war is no different. You know, our war is no different than that of Jesus. It's a world at war that we're born into. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, our battles are spiritual. It's not about other people. Our battle is against the diabolical forces of evil. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You've been born into the evil day. And having done all to stand, yeah, everything, everything you can do to stand. So now you know the real Christmas story. It's not about peace on earth. It's not about joy. It's about war. Your war. I think about all the Christmas cards that people still, well, organizations still send me because I donate some money to them and I get Christmas cards and I don't celebrate Christmas. But, uh, you know, the beautiful Christmas cards. And I thought, you know, a real Christmas card would be a picture of a soldier with death and chaos all around him, still fighting the battle. That would be a real Christmas card because it would reveal the real Christmas story that you are born into, a war zone. And I want you to imagine you're, you're entering a war zone and your only chance for survival, your only chance is to have the shield. And what is the shield? When sci-fi fiction movies you know they have the you know star trek star wars they have the shield that comes you know and when that shield comes over them the fiery missiles of the enemy cannot it just sort of bounce off the shield you know the shield is the spirit of god if you have the spirit of god now i want to offer you a couple things here uh should you be baptized is one publication i'd like to offer you and how to receive the spirit of God, how to receive the Spirit of God, how you can receive the Spirit of God. You can write to me. Also, a third thing, excuse me here, a third thing I want to offer you is an audio program entitled What You Should Have Known Before Being Baptized. You know, there's an illusion out there. I just give my heart to the Lord and that's it. It's just a matter of accepting Christ. And basically accepting that he existed is it's all that's meant by that. But there's there often there's no repentance. There's no repentance involved. How do you know if you repented of your sin? Well, do you know what sin is? Do you know the biblical definition of sin? If you don't know the biblical definition of sin, you have not repented. Okay. So I want to offer you these three things. How to receive the Spirit of God. Should you be baptized? And baptism counseling what you should have known before being baptized. Now, you can write me. The uh, address is coming up at the end of this program. And I will send that to you. And it's a powerful publication that you need to have because the bottom line is you are at war. And unless you know how to fight this battle, you will die. You will die. And it's only one way to be protected, and that is to have the shield of God's Spirit in your life. To have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. That's the only answer. Until next time, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.